Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank, Resource Management LLC, Lupo Workers Comp, and 30 North Investments. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. When we get up and go to work each day, most of us assume that everyone else going to work is a decent person like ourselves. Even if we have competitors, our basic assumption is that they're okay people. After all, they're doing the same thing we are. That's not what going to work is like for my guests on today's show. Both of them, their daily occupation is about bad or at the very least misguided people. Ed Roy is a private investigator and the president of the Louisiana Private Investigators Association. Ed is an FBI trained hostage negotiator and from 78 to 2000 was a CIA intelligence provider, which I can only assume is a euphemism for spy. Uh, Ed, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you, thank you, Peter. It's good to be here. Daryl Fife is looking for bad guys in cyberspace. Daryl is CEO of Digital Forensic Solutions. Daryl has been a consultant for Fortune 500 companies, including Microsoft, AT&T, and Sony, and has worked with many state and federal agencies, including the FBI and DARPA, a special project's agency of the Department of Defense. Now, Daryl, welcome out to lunch. Thank you, Peter. Now, Ed, <laughs> it's probably intentional, but most of us don't know what a private investigator does. My image is a guy in a Buick trailing people who are cheating on their wife or husband or, or a guy who's suing a company for $50,000 for a crippling back injury, and you show up in court with a video of him washing his car or swinging a golf club. Is, is that what it is, or, or is your workday nothing like that? Well, you know what? Actually, it, uh, that's a part of it, and, and there okay. can be that part of it. Uh, the, the, the private investigation world is is so broad uh, especially nowadays with uh, the addition of the, the the electronic side of a person's life that um, certainly there, there are the traditional images of a private investigator uh, following somebody that may be in a in a domestic uh, situation or uh, somebody that may be in a workers comp situation that uh, somebody suspects fraud but there's an entirely different side of that uh, as well in business now people will want to know the people that they're getting into business with uh, so there's a whole side of the practice which could include that. Kind um, of background checks? Absolutely, or? background checks. And, you know, now, and especially um, since you mentioned background checks, now in the world of business, when you hire someone, it's almost like a marriage. You, you don't just hire and fire at will because there are certain restraints and uh, uh, constraints that, you, uh, th that you'd have to follow. So a lot of folks nowadays would be really ill-advised if they didn't do a background check on potential employees or, or tenants or, or whatever. But my philosophy and overriding uh, assessment of the, of the investigative world is that uh, people have three separate and distinct lives. They have their public life, they have their private life, and their secret life. Wow, does everybody have a secret life? I think so. Wow, I've got to Let think about Let me ask you, this. Peter. Uh, okay, yes. Yeah, there's a... <laughs> <laughs> and generally that's, um, 
you know, that's where if somebody is, uh, is doing something that they shouldn't be doing, that's probably where it'll occur, in their uh, private life or their secret life. Whoa. Well, you know what I've got to think of? I've got to think about with what you do. Do you naturally not trust people? Do you start off in a relationship meeting somebody and looking for the flaws or? Actually, I'm just the opposite. Uh, I spent 16 years in law enforcement, and, and I've, I've had a, ba a varied background. I did television weather for quite some yeah, time. Yeah, you were pretty in, famous in, there in Lafayette. Lafayette. And at the same time, I did criminal intelligence at the Lafayette Parish Sheriff's Department, which was hilarious because the first person I ever arrested looked at me with this odd face and said, you can't do this. You're the damn weatherman. And said, well, here's the forecast, Bubba. It's fixing to rain on your parade tonight. Oh, gee. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but, so if um, two hurricanes were seeing each other, you would know about <laughs> it. That's so great. But it's, it's, it's a process in my life of where I always assume the best uh, of people. And uh, uh, then the rest is for them to disprove. Daryl, we hear a lot about online security breaches at big companies like Target and Home Depot. On an individual level, we know about identity theft, and most of us have some sort of antivirus program on our computer. In the cyber world, there seem to be two kinds of bad guys, some who are after our money and others who just want to mess up our computer for some obscure reason. Is that an accurate assessment of the enemy you're fighting? I would say that it's on beyond that, actually. There are, um, the way that it manifests is different. Obviously, uh, people are very concerned about their identity, identity theft, and um, many people are experiencing that, whether it's- Are uh, we too paranoid? I don't think you can be too careful, but paranoia doesn't help, really. Yep. It's just um, sort of a new hygiene, I think, that's good to practice. So digital hygiene, I think it's very different. Digital it's hygiene. <laughs> oh, my God. That's my bumper sticker now. That's so great. Now, when you get hired by a big company, like you did mention some really big ones, what are they bringing you on for? So when I'm engaged, it's in a number of ways. People will bring me in to look at their systems and assess the vulnerability of the systems in advance of a breach. I also provide training quite a bit. And then often I'm doing breach management. So once there has been an incident, uh, I'll bring in a team and we'll help them determine what happened, what was lost or stolen, uh, what the implications of that were, and, and really how to prevent that from happening in future. Well, why do people hack into um, uh uh, like the target, for instance, said. Uh, I mean, wh why do they do it? Uh, how, um, what's, what's their goal? Is it just money? For hacking, I think there's a lot of motivations. Certainly, it has become a big business, so there is quite a tremendous amount of money to be had in that arena. Um, some people are doing it for uh, other reasons. There are nation-state actors, absolutely. Um, they have some other motivations, but um, financial is, is certainly one of them. Wondering, do people call you after a problem occurs, or do they call? You, do they tend to call you before a problem is? Well, what's been happening uh, is initially it was always problem-based. So once there was litigation in place, I do a lot of uh, litigation support. So somebody would feel that they had grounds for a lawsuit and they would call me in and we would uh, really basically provide the digital evidence that would uh, confirm or deny the allegation. 
there's quite a bit of that in digital forensics. Also, when there's an issue, so, so what you said, which was that people do this in their private uh, and secret life, I actually, my, um, from, my from my personal experience, people uh, misbehave at work quite a bit. Now, misbehave could be, so, you know, looking at things they shouldn't be on the computer or something much worse than that, right? Yeah, I mean, quite, quite honestly, that level of misbehavior, the, the initial one, looking at things you might not do, that, that's sort of a bad employee thing, bad practice, maybe not good hygiene at work, but uh, usually that's not why I'm engaged. It's really uh, the issues that I deal with are intellectual property theft is huge. Um, when there's a breakup in a business, uh, there's great need to know what happened. Did somebody take the entire you know, corporate database? Did they take the, the trade secrets? Did they have the, uh, all of the contacts? And so those are the kinds of work that I, pr those are the kinds of engagements that I see on a regular weekly basis. I see do quite a bit of intellectual property theft and, and just IP in general. More and more we're seeing this problem with intellectual property theft and, and things of, uh, of that nature. And we're seeing more of, of my clients that uh, are, are taking the necessary steps to monitor their computer systems uh, so that they know what's going on in their, in their business. Can you give me an example of inter, uh, intellectual property theft? What would be a good example of something you see in the workforce? Well, it goes uh, from everything, uh, obviously financial um, laundering of assets or removing money, I see quite a bit of that. Um, that's obviously an automatic phone call. Um, but it's software, software design, contacts, business contacts, marketing materials, all kinds of stuff. Absolutely anything that is data that's that's valuable to a company can be taken. And now that insider threat is something that people forget about a lot, and it's huge. And so when, when you come into a situation, um, I guess in a way they're all different, right? Yeah, I, I would say all situations are different. There are commonalities, and I see trends. And what, what are the trends you're going to say? First of all, your business has got to... <laughs> what's bad for the rest of the world is, is good for you guys, I guess. That's, that's the... Uh, it's not getting better, right? I would say that it's a growth industry. <laughs> that's like when you talk <laughs> to people in the prison industry. It's unfortunate, but it's true. Yeah. Um, it, you know, we're getting, we're getting more people that find the anonymity uh, with the electronic veil, if you will, to be uh, something that allows them to probably get away with more than they should. Uh, there's a lot of anonymity out in, in the cyberspace world, so I think that probably threatens people. You know, there's an old saying in law enforcement that the new safety device in automobiles that Detroit has come out with, and it guarantees that no one will speed, is a rearview mirror with a police officer in it. <laughs> and if you, if you have that, there's an accountability, and that's right. what you don't have a lot of times. It's like even if you're the, driving the, the speed limit, you ever notice, and if there's a cop on the side, you slow down, you slow it must down. be the Absolutely. same thing for this. It's this built-in guilt complex, you know, I think. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and, and I think that uh, the, the certainty of being discovered would be a dissuasion to, to crime, but, you know, we don't have that. And we, we have a lot of just the opposite. There's a lot of anonymity that, uh, that's available to people. Well, and, and furthermore, that there is, because of extradition treaties and things like that, some of this stuff you might know, you might be able to understand who's behind a certain 
crime, but you may or may not be able to pursue that person in a court of law. So again, you're looking at understanding your systems, looking at the vulnerabilities, trying to lock those down. And, and what I've seen actually huge, I guess a huge trend that I see and something that is interesting to me is what I call proactive security. So that is really much more about perceiving the intrusion and reacting more quickly to it. So I feel like that's where we're moving and I'm glad that we're moving there. So you asked me if people come to me once they've had an issue. Yes, most people don't do anything until it's too late and then they call. But once they've had an issue, that changes and then they start to really understand the concept of proactive security and training and uh, digital hygiene. Well, let me just ask you, so. I just need to know, when somebody comes in and you see that you know, a Target or a Home Depot is hacked, what do they take and what do they do with it? What do they do with it? Well, yeah. they use it in a number of different ways. They resell it, uh, quite a few people resell it. So they resell it, it to There are websites where you can guys? go and buy names, addresses, uh, of hundreds of thousands of people. And Absolutely, the there's all kinds of black market websites where you can go and buy personal information. Well, and that personal information would include maybe social security number, a yes. credit card? The social security number and address is more valuable now because it's harder to change, whereas people can change their credit cards fairly quickly. And the ba banks are getting pretty responsive. I mean, they really have, because the banks were really on the front line, They've done wonders in terms of working on their security and their time, their response time, because they, they were really feeling the pain. I think they were on the front line, so they've really felt the pain. And, and, and you mentioned the front lines, Daryl, they, they're, they're on the hook, right? I mean, that's... Exactly. They also are, they are on the hook for the, the loss of money, and it's actually dollar figures, so it's actual hardcore cash. Whereas um, currently the hospitals are really under attack. That kind of information is more valuable, but it, it's less the, uh, I guess, I'm sorry, I would say the attack vector is less. Attack <laughs> um, <laughs> vector, wow. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> the, it's, it's less obvious. Um, yeah, yep. If that makes sense. And, and Daryl, I have to ask you this, uh, do you, in your daily life, are you different than, than me? Are you more, uh, when you shop, are the things you're, you're not doing that I'm doing, uh, de debit cards versus credit cards? Are there certain things somebody in your business would know? I think there's some things that I, I really don't do, right? Like I re I'm allergic to open wireless. I don't know if that's common. Um, I really just won't do that. Um, I limit my own liability in every way I can. So, you know, I, I typically am careful about which cards I use online. I have a low limit card. I think a lot of people are doing that. Um, some other simple precautions that I take are, um, I, I'm not a fan of online banking. I'm, well, not online banking. I'm not a fan of mobile banking. Let me just say that I'm a little skeptical about that and yeah. I don't use cloud if if I can't, if I have to, you know, I, I don't use cloud technology. Well, you could end so. up being a Luddite in this, uh, just, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't use the computer, I think it's, 
It's a fad. Yeah, it's. Let me ask you a question because I've been thinking about this. Is how can um, it's actually terrifyingly accurate? But um, <laughs> yeah, like I, I mean, so, I mean, I you know, said, I'm so, looking so, at what you brought with you here. I haven't seen an abacus in years, and it's terrific that you brought that. They, it's a. Uh, what about um? We are we actually uh, is the U.S. government hacking into other governments like like China? Is that does that go on? Uh, and are they coming back at us? What, what's going on on that level? Uh, yes. 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 So we should be. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a- absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's not new. There's nothing new about that. That's been going on for years. It just happens to be in the news more often. You know what they say, though, the benefit, the upside of that is if you should happen to one day lose all of your computer data, <laughs> then you can call NSA and they'll back it up for you. <laughs> <laughs> Now we're going to check the inbox. It's where our producer picks a question that's come in from a a listener over the past week. Uh, Grant, what have you got? We've got this question for Ed on Facebook from Fong Lee, who asks, with the rapid growth of information technology, coupled with the tried but true procedures of the private investigator industry, what has been the biggest technical advancement that has helped your line of work? Actually, it is what uh, information people share about themselves. Um, Also, the ability for a... uh, a computer network owner to monitor everything that's going on on the network. Uh, there are programs that uh, will reside on the network, will uh, uh, allow a, a business owner legally to uh, see exactly what every employee that touches that network is doing. And I think that's made a huge, a huge difference in the uh, information uh, world, if you will. Here's a question for you, Daryl. Came in on Twitter from Champ Superstar who says, do you ever feel scared that you might know too much about the wrong person, company, or situation? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There are the, uh, yes, the, um, there have been some situations where uh, I've gotten some intelligence back through the sort of the hacker network, if you will, that they were aware of certain things that was absolutely chilling. Yes, terrifying. Wow. Honestly, yeah. Which is why you won't give us your nickname. And so they, uh, it all fits in together. This is uh, <laughs> this is very interesting. <laughs> well, yeah, Daryl, I didn't, didn't ask where were you from originally. Uh, where am I from originally? I was born in New York, and I spent uh, many years traveling the country, following my mom. I lived in Seattle for about ten years, and I've been here since two thousand one. What brought you here? I was imported for <laughs> work. Really? Like, yes. I've never Thank heard you. that term. There's a... <laughs> an import. Yes. What they, a deal. An imported. One of our best imports. <laughs> we have. Yes, I was, I was imported to increase the whole digital media and technology world in New Orleans. Well, Here let me I ask am. you uh, that one question is, um, um, what do you think of the digital world in New Orleans? I mean, it's sort of... It's absolutely incredible. I am a very proud member of the entrepreneur organization. I have benefited greatly from my association. I was in the Idea Village Accelerator program. That was great. Um, I would say that what I feel like is happening here in New Orleans right now is very much like what I felt when I was living in Seattle in uh, early and mid 90s as you know, the whole digital world was coming online. And I feel that here in New Orleans. It's very exciting to be a part of that. It's very exciting wow, to be here right now. It, it really feels like, you know, we're, we're 
on the, it's, it's, um, I think for me it's about the convergence of all the different kinds of technology. So we've got, uh, because we're in such a vulnerable city, there's um, entrepreneurs who are working in environmental and technology and education, and it's, that it's uh, having all of those, again, it's like our melting pot, it's having all of that stuff, that the, the thing, that the sort of essence that made New Orleans great in the first place, and, and that's happening in the, the business mm -hmm. community. And it, and it definitely extend, extending out to Lafayette, too. I mean, Absolutely. Not, Lafayette not is, uh, you know, sometimes I, I feel like I'm afflicted with the entrepreneurial spirit. And, and I really think it is an affliction it is because an affliction. it, uh, yeah, absolutely. You, know, <laughs> you can never rest <laughs> if you're an entrepreneur. I mean, there's always another mountain to climb. Uh, and Lafayette is uh, probably one of the best examples, I think, of, of true entrepreneurial spirit, uh, where people have, um, you know, taken the wildcatting mentality from the oil industry and spread it through the technological industries and uh, and everything else. And, and Lafayette really is, I think, a, a major hub now for the service companies, which are technology-based uh, in, in large part. So, yeah, Lafayette's an exciting place as well as New Orleans. Uh, That's our to, sister uh, city, to be right? Our sister That's city, yeah, and the happiest city in America. Why? Wow, you see, so that's actually been documented somehow. Absolutely, right? yeah. That was just voted recently. I think uh, New York Times maybe or somebody did a survey and they went, <laughs> happiest city. Oh, well, that's Lafayette. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but actually all five of the top uh, five cities that are happiest in America are in Louisiana. Why do you think that is? Uh, it's the food and the, and the beer. <laughs> I, think, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Probably, probably and, and that. digital it's the company. Progress. It's digital. the company. That's that's what it is. They, uh, I'm the company. Daryl Fife, Ed Roy. We've come to the end of lunch. It's been a fascinating glimpse into the worlds that most of us hear about, but not too many of us know about. Uh, thank you for joining me uh, today on Out to Lunch. I appreciate thank it. Thank you very much for the opportunity. This Thanks. is great. I, I learned a lot. And, and Ed, special thanks for coming all the way from Lafayette. My pleasure. Is, uh, my guests on Out to Lunch today have been private investigator Ed Roy and Daryl Fife. She's CEO of Digital Forensic Solutions. You can find out more about Ed's real-world surveillance and Daryl's cyber sleuthing by following the links on our websites, www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Chris Keogh is our researcher today. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Get this show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsneworleans.com and www.no.org. Uh, support for Out to Lunch comes from Baton Rouge-based PreSonus Audio Electronics. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business, New Orleans style, on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, online at joneswalker.com. Additional support provided by Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank, Resource Management, LLC, Luba Workers Comp, and 30 North Investments.